it's like it's like saying you're from Rhode Island. Like nobody fucking gives a shit about Connecticut down here in Tennessee. Okay, Delaware. Okay, big whoop. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I am joined by Zach Lyons, and we are expecting Michael Herndon shortly. We are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. And I, I hate that we're recording a podcast in the offseason already. I wanted a deeper playoff run, damn it, Zach. What, why are we about to talk about coaches? I'm not upset to talk about coaches. I'm just upset that we're already talking about coaches. Yeah, it's uh, it's not where we wanted to be. Everybody's expectations were that we'd probably still be playing even into this weekend, the conference championships, and uh, it was a failure that we're not. And it's uh, it's sad that uh, now the offseason is consumed with talks about, um, you know, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, who's leaving, who's staying, Um but we do get to talk about the offseason of Adam Gates potentially becoming University of Tennessee football's next head coach because for whatever reason, people love to listen to Peyton Manning about Adam Gates. And I know we'll get into it when a uh, resident, I guess he is probably going to uh, fully commit to the other UT now that Sarkeesian is over at Texas, <laughs> but we'll get to our resident UT fan because Nobody really wants to listen to us for 45 minutes just bash University of Tennessee football, do they? I mean, I would, but I don't know if the majority of our fans would. Yeah, I, w- if I wish we would have a listener count as it was happening because it would, it would tick down to zero. Um, let's start with Art Smith. Obviously, the biggest news so far, and no surprise, Art Smith leaves, takes the head coaching job at the Falcons. So I, I want to start with Art Smith himself. What does this mean for him? You were all about that you thought this was where he was going to go. Yeah, it just made the most sense. Like, that's the reason why I had my percentages so low was because this was the fit. I know he interviewed everywhere, but um, I believe it was either John McClain or Greg Cassell on the, the now former Midday 180. Um had said on the show that the reason why someone new gets so many head coaches, head coaching interviews, because a lot of people don't know what you're about, who you are. So they're doing their due diligence. So that's why he got so many uh, interviews, but the perfect fit was always Atlanta. We, we knew that it was reportedly that Mike uh, Malarkey had, been contacted by a coach uh, by a team with a, a head coach opening about Arthur Smith. Well, Mike Malarkey has stints in Atlanta. I know, and I'm and things were sour in Jacksonville, so we know it was a Jacksonville. But he had stints in Atlanta. To me, that that was it. That's when you knew that Arthur Smith and Atlanta were the perfect match. And not only that, Matt Ryan's best success was in a similar offense, and they got away from that offense ever since the Shanahan left. It can never recapture that glory. And that's what Art Smith's going to come in and do. Uh, I've, I've seen quite a few Atlanta fans hate the hire. And I think, I think there is a potential for a disaster. I mean, we have Dave Rangone coming, who is a former quarterbacks and wide receivers coach with the Tennessee Titans from 2011 to 2013. Brought in pass with Arthur Smith, who went on to become the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator over in Chicago. That is not a good track record. None of those stops are a good track record that scream, make this guy an offensive coordinator. Obviously, Art Smith's going to call the plays, but a first-year head coach, who is going to in a position where he's going to have a lower cap. So it's going to be a little bit harder for this team to turn it around immediately in year one is going to hire this supposedly hire this offensive coordinator that has, does not have a good track record. There's nothing about Dave Rangone that screams good track record. And this was the one thing that me and Mike both talked about was the biggest negative for Arthur Smith was being able to assemble a staff. 
he's a hard worker. I do have confidence that he will achieve. And this is the best situation for him to go to an established quarterback, established weapons, and a locker room that Raheem Morris turned around. I mean, Raheem Morris turned this locker room around, has gifted Arthur Smith a good situation to go into with the players buying into a um, definite change for this uh, for this Atlanta Falcons team to improve upon. So, I mean, it's kind of like when Malarkey left and Vrabel came in, the locker room had already been established. You just got to keep it going and put your spin on it. And that's a, that's one thing that he doesn't have to worry about, which is a, which is a big thing. Let me ask you about Bomani Jones on Art Smith. Uh, I, I wanted to get your take on that because, and I can't, I was sitting here trying to find the tweet and I can't find the tweet uh, to read it directly. And I'm trying to paraphrase without being too unfair to Bomani Jones, but the tweet essentially was that he felt that Art Smith's track record screamed of him getting positions with teams based on who his father is. And for some reason, if you don't know who Art Smith's father is, it is Fred Smith, the founder and CEO of uh, FedEx, the world's largest shipping and logistics company, pretty much. So um, do you think it's warranted? Do you think it's overblown? Uh, obviously, Titans fans had a had a field day with that one, but I, I saw a lot more reaction on social media from more run-of-the-mill people you know, verified reporters that don't normally give their opinion on things like that of thinking that it was a bad take. Well, it, it's, it's, is a bad take. I mean, there's just no way around it. I, I've, I've seen people try to argue that what he tweeted is not what he meant. Well, the words are plain as day, right? right. I mean, and I, I'm trying to find it as well. Um, but basically what he said was every position before becoming OC, screamed, my daddy got me this job. Okay, so that is um, what he tweeted. So every position that he has gotten before offensive coordinator, interesting, here I found it, because I had to, listen, I had his Twitter search, Bomani Jones and daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't remember if it was daddy or dad, but hey, it brought it up. Interesting about Arthur Smith. He's fine. He's fine. And let me say something. If you're a freaking professional writer or correspondent, which Bamani Jones is, use capitalization and use some punctuation. I mean, this tweet is an utter mess from both of those things. His tweets should not read like my tweets. (laughs) Yeah, his tweets should not read like PFT commenter. (laughs) Yeah. like, Like, give me a break. Interesting about Arthur Smith. He's fine. A good job running the Titans offense. But just about every gig he had before. Let me repeat that. Just about every gig he had before becoming OC screamed out. You know who my dad is. I didn't know who his dad was until two days ago, by the way. So first off, you're choosing to comment about this coach that you just found out about and about his dad two days ago, which Surprisingly enough, I'm in a few Twitter group chats that have been around since the LaFleur days that I've been a part of. There's people in there that just found out since he tweeted that out that, and they're Titans fans, supposedly, that I find that questionable at this point, that just found out that his dad was uh, Fred Smith. Like, it's been talked about. In fact, the, the, the group chat I'm in that I'm talking about, it says that FedEx is gone talking about Arthur Smith that got changed to FedEx to Atlanta. Nobody put that together apparently in this chat. Um, But yeah, I I think it's a bad take. And I think it shows that he's, uh, I don't follow Bomani Jones. I don't follow people. I have no interest in hearing what they have to say because they don't ever say anything of substance. Right. And Bomani Jones is one of those people that doesn't say anything of substance. Uh, Clay Travis is that way. Or, and, and there is some stuff that these people do get right. And I'm not just trying to make sweeping generalizations, just that I don't really care for the hot take political sides of the spectrum and making everything about race and making everything about that. And this guy is a hot take artist. He's the Skip Bayless, or he's trying to be Skip Bayless. Um, you know, it's just, 
they just say stuff. And this was like, you, you say that every gig screams, my dad got me this job. Well, the only gig that screams that my dad got me this job was him becoming a quality control coach at the Washington football team back in the day where FedEx field, where they played at FedEx field. That is probably, it's never been 100% said that that's how he got the job, but let's be safe to say they, it probably is. Got his foot in the door as a quality control coach because he knew his, who the people knew his dad. Okay. So what that one job, uh, man, 2009, 2010, maybe even earlier than that. I mean, we're talking over, um, I mean, over 10 years ago. I mean, that is insane. He was a grad. No, 2007. We're in 2021, 2007. Okay. He got a defensive quality control coach position at the Washington football team. That's yeah. And then he worked his way up. He went to Ole Miss for a year. He was there from 2007 to 2008. Then he went to Ole Miss. Then he went to the Tennessee Titans. And from there, as a defensive quality control coach in 2011, worked his way up through multiple positions, multiple coaching staffs, and stayed through them all. The survivor, the lone survivor, and becomes offensive coordinator. To me, none of that screams that. Go read his job titles just until 2012. Six years. Quality control coach. Quality control coach. I mean, okay, Let's start with the first. If dad helped him get a job, his first job in the NFL, I'm just going to outright say it. Who cares? Most of getting ahead in life, whether people want to admit it or not, is who you know. And if that truly was the case, then hats off to him. But you can't tell me as you go through and read this resume that Art Smith's father was the one who determined how he got every one of these jobs. And if so, dad did a bad job getting him past quality control coach for six years, considering the guy owns the largest package logistics company in the world. So yeah, take just sucks on multiple fronts. Well, and then you think about it. Okay. He was a guard for North Carolina from 2001, 2005. And he did what most college players that aren't going to get drafted do when they're interested in coaching, they he immediately goes from that to the graduate assistant in North Carolina. You know, the next logical step from a graduate assistant is typically somewhere on that staff or a scouting position or a quality control coach. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure that his dad had a little bit of a hand in getting that first defensive quality control coach. I mean, let, let's be honest, it probably happened, but that doesn't, after that, he did everything himself. And that it screams that when you look at his positions and his resume from ever since he took the Washington football team defensive quality control thing in 2007, everything else screams, I work my ass off at the lowest position when I could have just collected millions of dollars from and been a trust fund baby and worked at FedEx, I yes. decided to be a quality control coach from 2007 to all the way to 2000 and the end of 2012. Yeah, Five you, years, I worked for probably 30,000 fucking dollars instead of making millions of dollars because I'm a hard worker and I love the game of football. That's what that screams. That's why you do your research before you get on fucking Twitter and put out a hot take because you're mad that Eric B doesn't have a job and other shit like that. And you're trying to downplay fucking art Smith who has worked his ass off and has survived so much to get to where he's at. And you just want to be a hot take artist from Atlanta because your Falcons hired a guy you don't agree with. And look, I'm going to take it back here just because I can, and this is our podcast and I'm going to say it. If you want to be that pissed off, about Art Smith getting a head coaching job and you're, and and people want to get that up in arms about it. Adam Gase's name is being thrown around again, getting hired in both college and professional football. How in the fuck? This man utterly destroyed the Jets. He, and by all the evidence you see, destroyed the Dolphins. A damn near ruined Tannehill's career, has probably ruined Sam Darnold's career. 
and he's still up for getting a job. What does that scream? Is mythical daddy still getting him a job? Or are people in the NFL just bad at hiring? Why don't you wait for Art Smith to finish being a head coach at the Falcons or whatever happens there before you make stupid fucking takes? Sorry, Bomani Jones. I don't have a lot of interaction with you, man, but kind of a bad introduction. Really didn't like that take. We welcome in Michael Herndon, who's sitting there grinning because he probably didn't expect to jump in the middle of this. How are you, Mike? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Dealing with some uh, baby stuff this morning, but we got it all settled and squared away. Did and, your child get a hold uh, of Yeah, Bobani Jones. No, but he he didn't have a take as bad as Bobani Jones was down there, so <laughs> that's nice. Did you, did you get uh, uh, Dom a job this, this morning? <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah, he got hired at uh, FedEx, ironically. Um, <laughs> as know, an offensive and, uh, quality coach. Dad. That's right. He's their defensive quality control coach, and uh, – going to be breaking down tape for old Fred Smith. So, um, but yeah, the, the whole Bamani Jones thing, I th- thought it was totally ridiculous. Like, and, and I know he passed it off as like, well, I haven't looked into him that much, but this, this just screams, my daddy got me a bunch of jobs. Like maybe look like if you're a person that's in the sports media, maybe look into it first because just going off the top rope, taking one glance at their Wikipedia and then, slandering the guy in front of all like because i mean bonnie jones has a big following right i mean like a lot of people are going to listen to what he has to say and it's irresponsible and unfair to just go off and say you know oh daddy got him all these jobs because a lot of people now you know whether fair or unfair right or wrong a lot of people now are just gonna sit there and go, you know, in the Falcon fan base and go, well, you saw what Bomani Jones said about him. You know, he just daddy just got him all these jobs. He's not a, you know, that's that's bullshit. You know, learning about him and actually understanding who he is before you throw out some sort of irrational take, uh, I think it's the bare minimum that that should be expected from somebody in, in Bomani Jones's position. So I, I would expect better from him. Yeah. So let's get more irrational because <laughs> if uh, we're seeing reports that Dean Pease may follow Art to Atlanta, I don't know if that's true. Re- report that the only person that's reported this is the least reliable person in the media, Jason Lockenforth. Yes. I mean, true. FYI. Do we need to remind you what Lockenforth is famous for? Yes, we do. That the Titans were being sold to Bon Jovi. And I love bringing it up every time the man tweets. And I'm actually upset that he hasn't blocked me yet because that means I'm just that irrelevant on social media. But so <laughs> if he follows Art to Atlanta, are you pissed off as a Titans fan? Or is this just another Titans fans are pissed off about everything? Uh, to me, and this is how I'm going to go forward. Look. 2020 is over. Season's done. It Dean Peace wasn't with us. Doesn't matter why, blah, blah, blah. If for whatever reason he goes as like a defensive special advisor or this or that, uh, whatever, over to the Atlanta Falcons, what are you going to do? Like, right. I mean, yeah, sure, you could be a little mad that uh, or annoyed that he didn't just stay with us. But in the off chance, in the slim, very slim chance that Jason Lockenfor is right and he takes up some kind of position, what are you going to do? It, it doesn't change anything. You, you, no one has invented time travel yet, and it's not going to change anything. And then if he does go over to Atlanta, it's probably just going to be as a placeholder, and then he's out one more year. And, you know, what are you going to do? I, I just don't understand at this point. It's over. Jadavian Clowney fucked up. You know, Vic Beasley fucked us. Isaiah Wilson fucked us. This whole draft class pretty much was a waste uh, for year one. And then, you know, we are not having a defensive coordinator really screwed us too. So it's over. We got screwed. Time to move on and time to look forward to 2021. And if, and I'll say this. The reason why I'm so skeptical, because if Dean Peace was going to come back and be a defensive coordinator, which is what the Titans would need for need him for, he would have just stayed and he would have probably have been on the phone with Mike Vrabel at some point this season, wanting to come back to the Tennessee Titans because he loves Nashville. I mean, he came to games here in Nashville. I don't know if he has any ties to Atlanta. I don't think he does. I just find it odd that Jason Lockenfor threw that out and nobody, 
nobody has picked up on it and said anything of note otherwise, other than uh, apparently Dave Rangone's nephew, who people are starting to find reliable because he deleted the tweets and all this stuff. So who calls there, there's one nephew? other there there is one other person who's put his name out there, and that was Albert Breer in uh, Monday Morning Morning Quarterback. He had. Uh, but he mentioned a possible co-defensive coordinator position with uh, the Colts secondary coach, Jonathan Gannon, as, as a possibility in Atlanta. So he threw out peas with Gannon as a possible co-DC kind of situation uh, for the Falcons. So that that's – I mean, and it was just literally in a parenthesis, so it's not like uh, he was hard tying them to uh, uh, to that job, obviously. But I, I do think it's possible that he's going there. Um and I don't know that it means anything to the Titans if he does. I mean, it could just be that, hey, he, you know, didn't didn't want to, you know, continue on. And then, you know, Art got the job and asked for his help. And, you know, that's kind of what happened with Vrabel, right? He was retired when Vrabel, uh, you know, got hired and asked for his help. So maybe, maybe you see um, – maybe he's just a guy that can't say no to his friends, right? You know, like he's he's just like, well – this guy's asking me for help. He probably needs it. I'm just going to go. So I, I don't know that it has to mean anything one way or another reflective on the Titans or, or anything like that. You know, frankly, you know, is, is I think he's a good defensive coordinator, but it's not like the Titans defenses were great. You know, in the two years that he was here, they were, they were good. They were better than they were last year, certainly. But um, I, the Titans need to move on to a new, new era anyways on the defensive side of the ball they need to go hire somebody outside the organization bring in some fresh ideas and and go get a fresh start there yeah titans fans just need to chill out and it's you don't have to be offended by every single little thing and this is one of those a the guy deserves to take a year off deserves to take the rest of his life off if he wants and b if he wants to come out of retirement for one year which is likely what he would do if he does if he does this and it's true it would probably just be for a single year because he made it dead ass apparent on the radio multiple times. Like, dude, I'm enjoying not doing anything. I'm enjoying not prepping all week for games and all that. So if he did come out of retirement, probably for one year, but you know what? This guy doesn't know you all anything. He can go wherever he wants. So, you know, relax, chill out. We're already in the off season. Focus your anger on other things. So, okay. I'm sorry. He would have to retire a third time. Like, isn't that just wild? He's like the Brett Favre of defensive coordinators. <laughs> With all the, you know, penis picks. But um, so, <laughs> so you, so we know. Allegedly. I mean, we don't know. He might be. We don't know. Don't, don't start locking for on the show. Um, <laughs> so speaking of OCs and DCs, which obviously the Titans are in need of a few coaches. I'm actually going to start with defensive coordinator. Um there are rumors that the Titans have uh, possibly interviewed one, maybe two defensive coordinators. Are you surprised that there are DCs being interviewed and who is being interviewed? No, they need to be interviewing a bunch of DCs. Uh, They need to be interviewing better defensive coordinator candidates, in my opinion. Um, But I mean, it is what it is. All any, all of the, the guy, I know Terrell Austin has been one guy that they've interviewed Sure, he'll take the 31st ranked defense and turn it into the 28th ranked defense. And maybe that's enough for everybody. Maybe that's enough for Vrabel. I do not uh, think the Terrell Austin hire is anything that would make me excited. I mean, it's it would be a marginal, very marginal improvement over last year. Uh, my My big thing and my guy that I am all in on is Gerard Mayo and Gerard Mayo is the truth. Bill Belichick recognizes it, but Steve Belichick, speaking of nepotism, Steve Belichick has a job over in uh, the new England Patriots. And it looks like they'll probably lose uh, Gerard Mayo to either head coaching or defensive coordinator play calling because at that point you've hit your ceiling on the defensive side because Steve Belichick's not going anywhere with that mullet and all that. And, He's just going to be there. So Gerard Mayo is the guy. Go to broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can read about Mike's OC articles. You can read my DC article. But Gerard Mayo is the guy. Listen, the New England Patriots have not had an inside linebacking coaching position since Rob Ryan back in 2003. Belichick was just like, there's no sense in having it. There's no sense in having that inside linebacking position. You coach all the linebackers in, in my system. And then when Gerard Mayo, you know, retired, 
he created or reopened this position that's been dormant for over a decade for Gerard Mayo. And Gerard Mayo actually does share play calling duty with Steve Belichick in some form of capacity. We don't really know what that is, but he does get to call some defensive plays. But Gerard Mayo, I'm all in. I, I really hope he does not go to UT. That would be he's too good for UT football, uh, University of Tennessee. I really hope that Vrabel really seriously considers and looks at him to come over here and beat DC. And this could be an Arthur Smith thing where we only get one or two years of Gerard Mayo, maybe even just one, but it would be worth it probably to have a really good, well-coached defense that knows what it's doing all the time, because that's not what we had this year and what we saw on the field this year. Yeah. Listen, you can't hire coaches, uh, being scared that they're going to leave in a couple years if they get a head yeah. coaching job. That's great news if they're leaving to get a head coaching job because that means your defense has killed it for the last two years, right? So, um, you know, go get a guy like him. I, I think, you know, Mayo is at the top of my list with, uh, you know, Jim Leonard is still my top choice. Um, I think it's Wisconsin a pipe dream, but I just don't think that I mean, he's on the radar we'll for the Tennessee Titans for we'll whatever see. reason. He may, he may not be, but, I mean, I think he's probably the best candidate out there. Um, so that would be the guy that I would like them to go after, but uh, yeah, Mayo would be, um, up there as well. There's, there's a lot of good choices. You know, Terrell Austin's not exciting, but you know, they talk to somebody at least. Yeah. Um, Listen, after doing research on Matt Patricia, and I know that, you know, we're big, uh, we love to talk about the mimosa, Matt Patricia, uh, mimosa party, but, uh, in all honesty, he did a really good job up in New England, and you may be able to give credit like that to Bill Belichick. We don't know, uh, but it's got to be better than what we got, which is either nothing or Shane Bowen, however you want to view it. I agree. You know, and Jerron Mayo would be a great defensive coordinator until, you know, his father gets him a job the next year in the NFL. You know, his father, Duke Mayo. Oh, did you see what I did there? I did. Did you like that? You I know. liked it. See, Mike wasn't on Mike wasn't on, on Mike for that joke. Yeah. That really upsets me. He's currently on mute. Um, offensive coordinator, Titans. Who are we looking at? Uh I'm, I'm sure it's going to be an in-house candidate is kind of where I, I lean. But I did find it interesting that they did go out of their way to put in an interview request with offensive coordinator in Clemson, a college coach. I thought that was very um, intriguing. It was eyebrow-raising that they Tony went. Elliott. Yeah, Tony Elliott. And I thought that was um, kind of intriguing that they were already looking in the college ranks while I guess they probably knew Arthur Smith was on his way out anyway. But – uh, of course, Tony Elliott turned everything down. Um, all the and he's going to stay in Clemson, it seems. But if you listen to Ty Soprano on Reddit, he read Mike's article and he said, "No offense to whoever wrote this, as you definitely put in some hard work in, and I appreciate it. But these are awful suggestions, and hopefully, J. Rob and Vrabes. I mean, you had to add one more L. You couldn't just put Vrabel. You had to put Vrabes. Have some better ones in mind. Forty ers guys." are iffy to me. We have a pretty sturdy run game. We need someone who can elevate other aspects of our offense. Apparently, Ty does not watch the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Kafka has been a coach for 20 minutes and has had an all-star QB and receiving core the entire time alone with an offensive genius at head coach. Same goes for Getze. How much is A-Rod's quarterback coach really doing? That has Adam Gase 2.0 written all over it. The Packers O-line coach? Why? Would rather see us promote Keith Carter than advance an outsider so rapidly. Rams passing game coordinator. Have you watched their offense this year or, well, last year? Hard, 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 hard pass. Tim Kelly seems like a decent coach, but like the article stated, scheme fit is basically the opposite of what we have the personnel for. And J. Robin Vrabel don't seem like the retread type. So all retreads, not going to happen. And all the new people that you could possibly hire, they all suck. Yeah, so so you can't hire somebody that's you inexperienced, and you also can't hire anyone that is experienced. So the Titans are just not going to hire anyone for the offensive coordinator spot, and that'll make everyone very happy, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but like that's that. here's my problem with a lot of the – people get so mad during these coaching searches because they're like, well, why would you look at him? Didn't you see he failed at this one spot? He's terrible. Or why would you look at him? He's never called plays before. 
those are your options. The guys that are, have been really good, consistent play caller for a long time are – they have jobs. Like, they already have offensive coordinator jobs or they have head coaching jobs because teams keep those guys. They don't get fired. They don't end up, you know, looking for work. Um, so you can't steal an offensive coordinator from another team. You can't steal a head coach to be your offensive coordinator. So these are the <laughs> options you have. You, you have either guys that haven't done it before, but have are promising young coaches that are on the rise, like Arthur Smith once was, um, or you have guys that are, have done it before, but have some skeletons in their closet one way or another, whether that's some bad performances from teams that they've coached or something went wrong at another stop or, or maybe they were a good coordinator, turned out to be a bad head coach, but that bad head coach stink gets stuck on them. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden it's, well, no, we can't hire him because look at what happened in X, Y, and Z, even if he wasn't necessarily the reason for that. But either way, all these guys are imperfect candidates. And yeah, like Mike McDaniel would have been my first choice out of the group that I wrote about, and he's not coming now. So he, you know, he's off the board. I think personally, I would prefer a promotion from within um, Keith Carter. I think I wouldn't mind like a Shane Waldron or, or taking a chance on a Luke Getze, somebody like that. Um, I wouldn't mind those hires. I wouldn't mind looking into the college ranks further. Um, but I, frankly, I looked around and your Lincoln Riley's aren't going to take an offensive coordinator position, right? Those guys are looking for head coaching jobs if they're going to make a move. So looking at the top play callers in college football, I'm just not sure that there's anybody else out there besides Tony Elliott that I'm really crazy about. Um, unless there's somebody that I'm just not aware of that's, that's just killing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not paying close enough attention to college football. Maybe I don't know, but um, yeah, I just don't see that there's like this bright shining option out there, frankly. And, and that's fine. I mean, there, there may be a guy that's going to be really, really good for that job. Uh, that just doesn't necessarily have the sparkling resume. I mean, your resume is one thing. What you can actually do is another. So um, it, I think it'll be interesting to see where they go. I think Tony Elliott was certainly an interesting name to have connected because that was not in, that would not have been on my list uh, had I made it before they made contact with him. So I, I think that's interesting that they looked in that direction, but we'll see where they go. They obviously, you know, big shoes to fill, but they do have some promising internal candidates if they choose to go that route. I, I apologize. I'm the one who got Mike's job at Broadway sports through nepotism. So, you know, for, you're going to have to, you have to come after me if you want to blame somebody. Through uh, the Mike it, network. Yeah. I don't understand the criticism of you're going to have to find up and comers. I mean, setting aside the jokes about art Smith. I mean, the man worked his way up when he got a shot at OC, you know, he ended up doing well because someone wanted to take a chance on a quality coach, right? Matt LaFleur, ask the average Titans fan how they felt about Matt LaFleur before he left the Titans. Nobody was raving about the guy. Everyone thought he misused Henry in the backfield and that kind of thing. He's got the Packers in the NFC championship game and the Packers offense looks pretty solid. So you gotta, you gotta try to find that, that diamond in the rough. And like Mike said, you're going to have some skeletons in the closet. Some of them you have to overlook. Sometimes it's the system doesn't fit the coach. Well, the best news out of this whole Arthur Smith thing is that he's not taking Keith Carter, it sounds like. I mean, if if why would Keith Carter leave to go be an offensive line coach over in Atlanta? Because it sounds like Dave Rangone, like I talked about earlier, is the offensive coordinator in Atlanta, the number one choice. Mind-numbingly dumb choice but that's really good for Titans fans. For anybody that is watching this coaching search, if Arthur Smith is truly bringing Dave Rangone over to Atlanta as offensive coordinator, it's the best for Keith Carter. For anybody, for, for Titans fans, it's the best because Keith Carter should get the offensive coordinator position. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he didn't um, and someone else in-house did, but... I, I think he's the clear number one favorite at this point going forward with Arthur Smith leaving and possi possibly not taking him with him. I think it's time to put Michael on the spot and talk about his favorite subject. What in the hell is wrong with the University of Tennessee? Now, I, I'm going to preface this. 
if you've listened to our podcast for quite a while, we we generally only make passing references to college football. We don't talk a lot of college football for a reason because we are a Tennessee Titans pro football podcast. So don't expect a lot of deep analysis. And you also need to prepare yourself for the fact that Zach and I are not University of Tennessee fans. So sorry ahead of time, but Jeremy Pruitt gets fired for cause, which means that the, the University of Tennessee does not have to pay this man. So bravo for not having to pay a bunch of money because you're already still paying money to Butch Jones. But Pruitt is out. Fulmer is out. Fulmer gave what appeared to be a pretty disastrous press conference yesterday in announcing all of this. The University of Tennessee, and, and I'll read this, uh, the conduct by at least, this is, this is a quote um, from the university, the conduct by at least two assistant coaches and several recruiting staff members are likely to lead to an NCAA finding of level one and level two violations, the worst you can do, of one or more governing athletic rules. University has also concluded that these likely findings were the result of either your material neglect or lack of reasonable preventive preventative compliance measures headfirst under the bus. This guy's out. He's not getting paid. What in the fuck is wrong with Tennessee, Mike? Oh no. It's well, I mean, I I guess I kind of do know. It's it's the it's a lot of the same issues that, you know, my uh my alma mater, University of Texas, has dealt with over the past 15 years. There's too many people with power and money um involved that think they they get to play armchair GM, right? That that because they're rich, because they've got names on the buildings at at the school, they think they can just call the shots. And and so those people muddy the water for everything. I think that goes on at that university. And it's when they're not all pulling in the same direction, it it creates for a a lot of tension and a lot of trouble, but more specifically, this is about to get way worse before it gets better. Um, Pruitt being fired for causes is great and all that it saves the university the, the money that that they otherwise would have to pay him but that also means that they are probably about to get all their dirty laundry aired out in in public for everyone to see because Pruitt is going to sue uh the university he's already hired a law firm uh to represent him so he is going to come after that buyout money and that means that there are going to be findings and briefings and everything else like that that comes out and is made public about the university about what happened there so all this is about to get real ugly uh for the university and in the midst of that they're going to have to find an athletic director that wants to put up with all that uh they're going to have to find a head coach that wants to put up with all that oh and with the expectations that you know, if you come in and, and don't win right away, you're going to be fired in three years and we're going to be trying to take your buyout too. Right. So it, it is um, a complete shit show, like full stop. Um, and this is what happens though, when you hire an athletic director out of nostalgia, like I, I grew up a Vols fan in the nineties. I, I know former, what former means to a lot of the people in this state and the program and everything like that you don't put him in position in a position like that just because you like the guy and it makes you feel warm and fuzzy that he's around the building and uh and stuff like that you just don't you can't do that um but go hire a real athletic director somebody who has like sports administration um experience let them pick a coach and don't let clay travis bully you out of that pick uh when he incites a mob on twitter to to try to overthrow a uh uh you know whatever the greg shiano hire was and frankly i don't think greg shiano was going to be a great hire either i wasn't super excited about that but this is this is why you don't do that right you end up with jeremy pruitt and here we are what three four years later whatever it's been and Pruitt's a total mess and now you're about to have all your all your shit just thrown out in the street uh because he's going to be suing you suing you for the the buyout and the forecast could be so, so beautiful i i am ecstatic like i could not be a happier 
fan of college football than watching UT create its own epic disaster right before our eyes. And that's what they've done. And now they're going to include Peyton Manning in the coaching search, and he's going to have, you know, a really good. Uh, that's See, that's uh, the problem, though. Yeah. You Don't let Manning touch this. Like, I, I love Peyton Manning. You don't want Adam Gase as the next head coach for University of Tennessee football? Mm, in that, no, uh, hire a real athletic director and let them do a real search. Be grown-ups. Like, stop doing, well, I love Peyton Manning. Let's just let him pick it. Like, come on. I mean, it's it's pathetic, and 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 really, the the fans ask for this every year with the way that they treat this program. It's time for UT fans to reset expectations because your college football program is about to get reset anyway because the NCAA violations. You're looking at a at a long, bleak, dark hole, and if you think the Butch Jones years and Derek Dooley years were bad, you have no clue what you're about to get into because. Let me tell you something. Alabama sanctions and when and stuff. I've lived as an Alabama fan through some really dark, embarrassing football times. I mean, between Gene Stallings all the way to Nick Saban was dark. So I emphasize empathize a little bit, but I also recognize that it was going to be dark, and I also empathize and I also recognize that. Um, the Alabama football wasn't good. UT football fans expect, you know, nine win seasons every year, even though really, if you look at it, you don't have the coaching staff and you overrate and pout around on these flags that, oh, we got the top 10 recruiting class and blah, blah. Recruiting class hype is so overrated. It's, I think it's so ridiculous to hype these and stalk these freshman uh, high school football players on Twitter that, you know, you don't think that's commit. Yeah. Apparently here in Tennessee, it is. I just think it's so odd, but here's the thing. It's a mess that you guys created. It's a mess that, that you're just going to have to deal with for the next five to 10 years, probably before you all have any sort of rep relevancy. And let me say this. You haven't been relevant for a few years. I was Remember, I was on a Buck show, and they thought that the Alabama-UT rivalry was back at one point. Uh, Austin tried to argue with it. It's not a rivalry, guys. Like, you you guys don't matter. I mean, the UT, UT football does not matter to Alabama football currently in its current state. And it probably won't for a while. And just you're just going to have to fucking deal with it. I think, I think five to ten years is probably a little on the long side. Like, well, Here's hey, listen, it's already been do. 10 years like, anyway. I mean, well, like, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, but I'm saying, like, as far as, like, future expectations, like, it's going to be a rough patch here because um, this recruiting class is probably going to be maybe the worst recruiting class in, like, Power 5 history because I can't imagine who is going to commit to Tennessee not knowing who their coaches is going to be with the athletic department under investigation, not knowing what NCAA penalties might be coming down, everything else like that. I, I don't know which – kid in their right mind is, is lined up to play for that. Unless you're just like, Hey, I just want to go to an sec school and get some, get some tape out there and try to go to the NFL. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's okay for some guys, but it's going to be bad. That's going to have a ripple effect for the next three to four years. You've got to do what basically Penn state did when they got the, the penalties from the whole Jerry Sandusky thing. You've got to get somebody in place, understand that it is not going to be pretty at first and let them do a job to rebuild that program into something. And that, that is going to take some time. They've got to be patient with whoever they hire next. So they better get the right guy next. Like this is got to be a hard reset, get adults in the room, let them do their jobs and stop trying to fire everybody every time they go six and six, because your six and six would be a blessing uh, for the next three years. Yeah. Because I mean, you don't know what sanctions the NCAA is going to throw on you about recruiting too. So, I mean, you, it may not just be this recruiting class that is going to have some damage and long-term ramifications it's going to be other recruiting classes. And speaking of disasters, Lance Zierlein is saying right now, that a request for trade will be made soon by Deshaun Watson to the Houston Texans. And so apparently uh, Watson wanted to, I guess, sit in on the uh, interview with Eric B. Enemy. I, I don't really know where this is coming from, but here, here's the original tweet. 
have heard from two sources now that Deshaun Watson was involved in the interview of Eric Bieniemy confirmed today. EB wasn't on the initial list, but Nick worked hard to push for him. EB doesn't like that they prioritized men of God over football players. Looks promising, though. That was kind of a weird idea. I guess I didn't really read that whole tweet before I started reading it. That was a straight dig at Easterby. Yeah. Uh, so that was Texans thoughts. And then Lance Zierlein <clears throat> quote tweeted that tweet and said, unfortunately, I was told by those close with Watson that this information regarding sitting in on the enemy interview is inaccurate. I heard it was only Cal and Janice McNair. After conversations last night, I'm less hopeful about the reconciliation. Cal is the greater concern over Jack on the concern scale. And then a few few things down, and Lance said a request for trade will be made soon. Delicious. This is just Yum. this is perfect for like my particular rooting interests of Titans and Alabama. UT and the Texans just this is just delicious offseason. I can't get enough on it. Bathe me in it. Bathe me in this. I'll start with this quickly on UT and then I want to go back to Deshaun. I'd, this is where I feel sorry for, for UT and I feel sorry for college fans as a whole is that I'm, I'm, I'm an Ole Miss fan, but I'm a passing Ole Miss fan. I, I don't follow college football as closely as I do the NFL, but what's always bothered me about college is that I like the pageantry and I like the tradition and all that kind of stuff, but that stuff, the it puts blinders on fans and those in charge at those universities because I feel like they try to stick so close to and adhere to this tradition, the Tennessee tradition or the Alabama tradition or wh- whatever tradition you want, specifically with Tennessee, I think it's led to a lot of bad choices. And what Mike said, the wrong people with too much money – that have this behind the scenes power and this want to stick to tradition has doomed UT for the last 10 years of this flailing in the wind of a coaching search. I think it was Alan Bell tweeted out yesterday, a picture of Lane Kiffin right before he left UT and he's like standing with a sheet of paper, probably about to give his remarks to the the locker room said this man walked out the door and it's been a disaster for 10 years. And that's, that's the case. That's why that's the part of me that feels sorry for Tennessee here because Going forward, the path is not going to be easy, and there's going to be so many people behind the scenes with money that are going to be banging the drum to keep tradition and that kind of thing, and it's going to put blinders and and this opaque look at hiring the right person, the right athletic director, the right head coach. Um, yeah, let, let me say one one more thing about the UT deal, please. the The press conference itself, because I, I didn't really hit on that. And I've yet oh to my, see this, and I, I've got to go oh watch it because I've it's great. So, I mean, a lot of it's stuff that you would have expected them to say, right? But it was so weird because Fulmer hired Pruitt. Um, Pruitt's getting fired for cause, and they're talking about how disappointed they are in this whole situation. Fulmer, I mean – Fulmer is the guy that chose this guy. And then, so they're on one hand talking about how bad Pruitt is, but then on the other hand, they're wanting to talk about how great Fulmer is and all he's done for the university and how he knew nothing of any of, of any of this stuff all along. It's like, well, isn't that his responsibility to know what's going on with this football program and all that? So I don't believe it for a second. I think it's all just a sham. And I, I get they want to keep Fulmer as, as this unblemished legend in their eyes or whatever, but it was so ridiculous and it's so transparent. And then Homer, the whole reason Pruitt's getting fired allegedly for cause is recruiting violations, right? These he's done a lot of recruiting violations. What does Fulmer say when they ask him? So, you know, what happened the last three or four years, you know, what, what are, what are your thoughts on the, the Pruitt era? And he said, well, you know, we, uh, we did pretty good with recruiting. Uh, it, that's like the first thing he says. And I'm like, you did pretty good in recruiting because you're committing a bunch of violations apparently. And now you're firing this guy because he committed recruiting violations. Maybe don't bring up the recruiting, Phil. Just say, hey, you know, we brought in, we, you know, even just don't say the word recruiting. Just say we brought in some good kids. They're going to help be the foundation of this rebuild, whatever. You know, like say that, but don't say we did pretty good recruiting. Like get out of here. <laughs> like, how tone deaf can you possibly be, Philip? 
Jesus Christ. You can't brag about your kids driving into the next breath, say, other than the DUIs. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work that way. I got to point out one more thing. I don't want to belabor this about UT, but um, who is the UT? Who is the uh, team? My God, team president, the the uh, university president, Randy. um, Is it Uh, Randy Boyd? Boyd, yeah, yeah. So Randy Boyd made a comment during this press conference yesterday that I read, which was um, the next head coach needs to be able to come here and win immediately. That's what I'm talking about. Like that, that type of thing, that expectation has to go out the window. It is not just for UT. This is to me, what bothers me about college football athletics is the expectation of the right person needs to be able to show up here and immediately win. That doesn't work. It doesn't work that way anywhere. So I, I feel for you, team. They're a long road. Good luck. Um, I want to. I want to. The last thing I want to do before we close off the show is, um, I, I think it, we would be remiss if we didn't reference the fact that the midday 180 is no more. Uh, if you are for somehow just following, you know, just figuring this out, the midday 180 on 104.5 The Zone signed off uh, last Friday for the final time, and which was a surprise. Uh, that Friday that they were signing off, this is the longest tenured show in in Nashville, in Middle Tennessee, of almost a decade, um, and to me leaves a gaping, gaping hole in sports talk radio. Um, one of the reasons why I bring it up is because, obviously, one of the reasons why I personally felt better about podcasting was just me working up the nerve to call in and start going wild on primary complaint those guys were kind enough to do it so i hate to lose the show really really hate to see that it's no longer going to be on the air and it's a pretty big torpedo hole into sports talk radio in middle tennessee yeah it's a huge blow to those looking for daily entertainment in that time slot for sure um it wouldn't really matter what time slot midday 180 was in because they were, were always going to deliver some of the best content you could get in Nashville uh, at 104.5 and beyond. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Good luck to you know that next step and everything. It sounds pretty interesting what they're trying to do: build a daily sports network over at Outkick. Uh, it's it sounds awesome so you know good for them and what they're going to be able to probably accomplish a little bit more and be a little bit more of themselves without the you know corporate you know oversight and all that kind of stuff so you know it'll be interesting i'm i'm here to see how it all ends up yeah it'll definitely be strange cuz i'm so used to even like uh you know yesterday i was sitting there and nine o'clock rolled around and I was still adjusting to the nine versus 10 uh, start time, frankly, but um, nine o'clock rolls around and you're so used to like, all right, well, let me, uh, let me click on and, uh, and see what they're talking about today. And uh, it just wasn't there. So it's kind of, kind of uh, difficult to, uh, to get used to, you know, I used to be able to set kind of my podcast listening uh, schedule around, um, around their show and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's, um, it's definitely a, a loss for sports radio in general. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see kind of what their new uh, venture looks like and, and best of luck to them with that. Well, gentlemen, that's going to do it for everyone out there who's been listening to football and other efforts. We really appreciate it as always. I know we covered quite a bit today for UT fans. I'm sorry if we, we made you feel bad. It's not our intent to make you feel bad. Maybe Zach's intent. It is to my intent. It's definitely Zach's intent to make you feel bad. 100%. Um, <laughs> We appreciate you tuning in as always. Please check us out over at uh, broadwaysportsmedia.com if you have not already. Um, It's football and other F-words. The gentleman you love to listen to, bitch. We appreciate you listening, tuning in. You've just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.